turn with me, if you will, to Luke's Gospel. We're going to do a little bit of passion review. Precious Father, we thank You for Your mercy and grace and Your tender loving kindness and uh, what You have accomplished for us, Father, through Christ Jesus is nothing short of absolutely amazing. And we thank You so much that You are unveiling and revealing that to us each and every day as we seek Your face for understanding. We thank You, Jesus, and we worship You, Lord. We worship You. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, let me see what our foundational Scripture is. I said Luke 10, didn't I? Jesus had just given the disciples power, authority and power over all the power of the devil to cure diseases. And we told you that that Greek word there for diseases is nosos, which is... Uh, which is most every time that it's mentioned, it has a demonic uh, uh, influence to it. So, demonically inspired diseases. Now, here in chapter 10 and verse 1, it said, After these things the Lord appointed other seventy also, and sent them two and two before His face into every city and place whither He Himself would come. Now, uh, there's, there's a lot of things that I have to say to you uh, in this course, and I, it, it's, it's, it, it could be overwhelming because there's a lot of, there's a lot of information, and to get it in a, in a packaged way for us to understand point by point, and, and I really feel tonight, th this is not in my notes, or, or, or I, the Holy Spirit just dropped this in me today, that we need to start with Matthew 16 about this. And, and, and my goal here is not just to t rattle off a bunch of stuff about the devil because I don't care about him. He's defeated. He's an idiot. He's a fool. But his tactics have not changed. His strategies are the same as they've always been. And he can't learn from his past mistakes. So what he did in heaven and what he does today is the same. And uh, We'll see over there in the book of Revelation where he's going to try it again and it's going to happen again. He's, he's going to be uh, permanently eliminated then. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 16. Thank you, Jesus. I really appreciate you folks being here, coming out on this Wednesday night and hearing the Word of God. Matthew chapter 16. Uh, I think I think we probably need to uh, set maybe set for a tone uh, to begin with verse 19. Uh, it deals with an issue, uh, especially in the charismatic world. I don't know about the other people. Uh, as Pentecostals, we didn't really know what we were talking about. <laughs> but but in the charismatic world, people used this binding and loosing. Uh, to a degree that just re really was never intended to be used that way. So we we'll start with verse 19. That's Matthew 16. Uh, he says, And I will, he's, he's talking to Peter, 
I want you to notice before that, I mean, this is just incredible that this man got a divine revelation of who Jesus is uh, and told him. Uh, and Jesus said, You are blessed, for flesh and blood didn't reveal it to you, but my Father which is in heaven revealed to you. And he said, Behold, I give unto you Peter. He said, I'm going to build my church. He said, he said I, I'm going to give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, the kingdom of heaven reference is pretty much talking about the, 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 the here and now, what we're dealing with now. Kingdom of God is a different kind of a reference, and I don't want to take time to get into that. But I want you to notice this. He said, I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom of heaven uh, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, what this to summarize that statement without taking an hour to, to teach on it, what he's saying here, you have to understand the, the Jew's mind about these passages. Because the, this passage was very familiar with them. Because in Judaism... The scribes, the priests, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, those people were in charge of what was bound and what was loosed. In other words, it was like, Peter, all these thousands of years, you've known from the law what was bound and what was loosed. In other words, what you could do and what you can't do what you were prohibited to do. But now I'm turning the keys of the kingdom over to you. Now that, that, that astounded these men because they've never ever heard that before. They've never heard that they were in charge of what was authority and what was not authority. What, what could be allowed and what could not be allowed. And so here is the way that we in the New Testament look at this passage is that whatever according to what the word of God has given me the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus what it afforded me I have the authority to, to disallow anything that is not from God and I have the authority to, to eliminate everything that's not from God also and, it, and you can see this in Jesus' teachings when He told the disciples. He said, The Father has life in Himself. He has given me to have life in Myself. And I give it to whomsoever I will. He said, And then I give this life to you, and you can give it. See, that's part of that authority. Loosing. See, what you permit will be permitted. He said that also before He left, after the resurrection, before he left them, he said, Whosoever sins you remit, they shall be remitted. Whosoever sins you retain, they shall be retained. See, there's a whole lot behind that statement rather than just thinking about the Catholic priest. Because these people, I'm telling you, that these were new concepts. Jesus took the life of God out of a setting of legalism where it had to be written down and you lived by legalism and you had no life, and he brought it all the way over into the new covenant, into the, into the Abrahamic covenant, 
which, which afforded sonship, and then we have all this authority. So you see, this, this is what's about... Now we can understand some of these things better than when these guys heard this. Uh, because Jesus had not yet unveiled to them the revelation. Remember on the road uh, to Emmaus, wasn't it? Where after the resurrection, they were talking with Him along the way. They didn't realize it was Him. And then He opened unto them their understanding and their eyes were opened. And, and then it, notice how it says it. Then they remembered all the things that, they, that He said to them. Alright, well then He gets into that right here. It's interesting that in verse 20 he said, don't tell anybody that I am the Christ. Uh, now, in verse 21, he says, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto the disciples how he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Now, can you imagine... Walking with this man of God for three and a half years? Seeing him perform miracles? Seeing him cast out devils? I mean, casting out devils was what Jesus was famous for. Nobody had ever done that. In fact, the Spirit of God did not move on the face of this earth for 400 years before this. Our country's only what? 300 almost? 250. 250. Can you imagine the, the Spirit of God not moving in just the time that our country's been founded? These people didn't have the Spirit of God dwelling, uh, or moving rather, on the earth during that whole time. In fact, it ends up in Malachi, and God is just unleashing it. He said, you've done all these. I mean, th th these things from the enemy had come and infiltrated into uh, Judaism. And they were just, I mean, these guys were just horrible. They were evil. And that's what Malachi, the book of Malachi is all about. The priests were doing all these things. And so he says, he said to them, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be judged. And look what Peter did though. Now it says here that Peter took him. Took him. It's a proslambano. Here, here, here is the... Uh, well, I can't really do this in this setting. Here's the picture that proslambano means. Now, lambano means to take hold of. But pros is face to face. Peter, this is, this is exactly the picture that this Greek word gives us about how, what Peter's reaction was. This shows you he didn't have revelation about why Jesus was here. He got a hold of him shoulder to shoulder, pulled him up to his face... Be it far from you, you will not die. And notice Jesus' response. Now this is something I want you to remember through this, these classes. Is that Jesus' response is typical as to how God has addressed the enemy before. Hey, look at this, he said, He took him and began to rebuke him. That word is censure saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Now, you know as well as I do, on this side of the resurrection, that Jesus had to die. That was God's will. And so, Peter was saying, No way. You're not going to die. Well, that was God's will. And so Jesus said, He turned and said, Notice this, very carefully worded here. He said unto Peter, 
Get thee behind me, Satan. So Jesus is talking to Peter, but yeah, but yet he's talking through Peter to the real source of where that accusation came from. See, Satanus is the word for Satan, and it means accuser, slanderer. And so here we find something. It will expose a little bit of wrong teaching here that, that's been over, the, over our lives. Because there's a, there's a passage of Scripture that said, had the princes of this world known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And so the preachers that I've heard that preached that said that the devil didn't know. Well, that passage of Scripture is not talking about the devil. It's not talking about the, the demons and stuff in the atmosphere. Because they knew well who he was and who he is today. It's talking about the rulers of the land. Had the Jews known that he was Messiah, they wouldn't have killed him. And so that's what he's referring to there. But, but, but he, he addressed Satan here and said, Thou art in it, get behind me, withdraw, go away, Satan. You are an offense unto me, for thou savorest. It's the Greek word phroneo, which means to interest oneself in. In other words, he's exposing him. He says, you are an offense, a scandalon. You, you are an offense to me, and, and you have to, to leave me. You do not interest yourselves yourself in the things of God, only the things of men, Jesus said. Now, that's a, that's a key also of understanding how he operates, because he knows us. He's been watching us for 7,000 years nearly. See, And as, we, as you'll see later in lessons, I don't want to get too quick on these things, but as you'll see, the other, the other world that was before uh, Adam and Eve, he knew them as well. See, There's indications that it was human beings back then. See? And we'll get into that. I'll, I'll show you that a little later. But uh, he said, This shall not be. And but he turned and said, Get behind me, Satan, for thou art not fence. You savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Now, uh, we understand from last week, uh, we, we talked about from Ezekiel chapter 28. Let's just go over there. Ezekiel 28. And let's just start dissecting uh, about this guy. Now, there Jesus talked to Peter, but yet he was speaking to Satan. See. When Satan, when, when, when the, the serpent came to the woman in the garden. Notice there in that whole story, which we'll probably get into at some point, in that whole story, God spoke to the serpent. I alluded to this Sunday. He spoke to the serpents, not to the devil. See? Why? Because the serpent is who the devil used. See? Now we have, we have very good inferences there that, that the animal kingdom communicated with mankind. Uh, and, and it seems that the serpent was one of the, one of the highest level of, of the animal kingdom. It, the scripture says there that he was more subtle, that mean wise, crafty is that word. So, so we see there that we can we can draw a, a conclusion about him and how 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 vile he is, how how deceptive he is. See. 
Ezekiel 28 here, look at it. He says, Son of man, and in fact, it'd be good to read the rest of this, but we, we won't. Uh, Son of man, verse 12, Ezekiel 28, 12. Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. Now at this point, you can realize, just as Jesus spoke to Peter, and then said Satan, he's not talking to the king. He's talking to, he's talking to the devil. Now, now the word lamentation, in fact we have a book in the Bible called Lamentations, it, it's, it's a lament. It's a, God, God, I want you to understand God's heart here. God made this creature. And he is, it doesn't start till verse 16, but his lamentation is that he is, if I can say this without intruding on the holiness of God, it was like God was sad because of Lucifer. Because he was his, he, he led, he led the, the sanctuaries on the earth, which was filled with angels and, and beings in worship to God. He, he led that. He, he was, and, and notice how he describes him here. He said, you, you sealed up the sum uh, uh, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Notice that it didn't say thou hast been in the garden of Eden. It said, you've been in Eden, the garden of God. Now, there are some theological differences here. I personally have the, have the idea that Eden was the name of the planet, Earth. And there was a garden, the garden of God, that was in Eden. Other people say that Eden was that, that section between the Tigris and the Euphrates River in which uh, vegetables grow there today that doesn't even have to be planted. Endive and all kinds of vegetables grow wild in that region there. So I know that's where the Garden of Eden was, but my point is that this, this planet was set aside for the worship of Almighty God. And Lucifer was over this planet with his host of heavenlies, and they, they worshiped God throughout the universe as well as here. And, and that, you know, some of that there is my opinion. So it won't hurt my feelings for you to disagree with me. If you disagree with the Word of God, I'll get upset. But now notice this. He says, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. At this point in time now, He said, Every precious stone was your covering. And we listed that last week. The sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and the gold, and the workmanship of thy tabrets, and of thy pipes was prepared in thee, uh, in the day that thou wast created. So we know that he's not talking about after he fell. It was when he was created, see. And, and only God knows when that was. There really was no time. Uh, if we want to put a time frame on it, as I said, he's older than the meteorites. You know, God, God, God has created this being and uh, maybe when he created the rest of the angels. I don't know. I shared with you about the three different kinds of angels that he was. Uh, he, he and uh, Michael and Gabriel. But now notice this. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. He covered the earth 
and the glory of God. He covered that. He was a cherub. That, that was his, if you wanted to describe him, that's what he was. That's what his name was, Lucifer, was light bearer. But as being a cherub and an archangel, he covered the glory of God. He protected that, and his job was to give praise and worship to the great God Jehovah. And he said, I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. So what is that? What does that mean? The stones of fire is the corridor between here and heaven that angels trod. They go up and down. That is the corridor. And he was there. See, that Obviously because he's an angel. He said, uh, Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. Thou wast perfect. You say, well, if he was perfect, how could he sin? That's because we don't understand what the word perfect meant here. The word perfect meant in his job description, he was perfect. He carried it out perfectly. See, if you, if, you take, if you take the definition that a lot of people place on the word perfect, then you have to arrive at a decision, well, perfection cannot sin. Perfection cannot change. It's perfect. But what that does is that takes away the will from that creature. So his perfection didn't take the will away. Satan still had a will. Angels still had a will. See, And listen, our Heavenly Father honors the, the, the choice that you make, that, that every creature he makes. He, he, he honors that. It's extremely important that, that, uh, that we have freedom of choice. See, that, that is the crowning part of sovereignty. Sovereignty is not like Satan has corrupted people to believe that it is. Sovereignty is not God just exercising His will over yours. I'm God, I can do it because I want to. That, see, that's wrong. He, Satan's main job is to obscure the view of God. Kind of like what I was sharing Sunday. It's interesting how these messages kind of I, I probably need to quit studying so many at one time. I don't know. But he said, Thou art the anointed cherub that covered. Uh, you were perfect in your ways. Okay, set them out. I'm going to go ahead and step off into this. I, I mean, I've talked to you now for eight months. And, and I, think you, I think you can understand what I'm about to say. Uh, I mean, if you say this at the bank tomorrow morning, they're going to be upset with you. Okay? So don't do it. But with you, I feel like I'm safe to say this. Just as God created Lucifer perfect in his ways, when you became a born-again child of God, you were pre created perfect in your ways. God spoke to me in 19... What was it? Let's see, I started my first church June of 80. So it was probably sometime, you know, July, August, where God supernaturally gave me a message. And I didn't realize then how much it would affect my whole life and ministry from then on. But he gave me a title. 
In fact, I, I had one. I had a series named it. It was called the integrity of the recreated human spirit. It just dropped that phrase down in me, and so I meditated and studied. And of course, there's you know, it's when God gives you something, you can you can think about it for a lifetime and still not extract everything out of that. And so, some people have taken the position that since we are righteous in our spirit, see, and we are when we're born again, you you are created in His likeness. That's why Satan hates you so much. Your spirit is not created in chaos. It is not created with fault. Does that make sense? It's not created with, with uh, you know, something that needs to be added to it. It's perfect in its creation. You know, some of these things I've never said before. I don't know whether you should feel blessed or scared. <laughs> But God, I mean, I, what I, need, I just feel such a draw to get you to realize, to get the people in this community to realize how precious and awesome you are being in the kingdom of God, being a new creature. We've been given all authority. Listen, anything Jesus could do while he walked here, we can do. You say, well, why don't we? Because we haven't believed it. I mean, all you got to do, I mean, we're, we're simplifying it with these t-shirts. There's grace for that. But all you got to really do is say, I don't permit that to happen in Jesus' name. And if we believe that, it won't happen. I mean, we can mouth, you know, that's, we're creatures of habit. We can, we can mouth anything. I mean, uh, bless their hearts, some people can hear other people speak in tongues and they start mimicking them and maybe think that they're filled with the Spirit. But... Listen, if you're filled with the Spirit, you're going to talk in tongues. <laughs> but, but what I'm trying to say here is that you are just as perfected as Lucifer was in the day that he was created. Just think about that. This new birth is just awesome. I mean, I don't like it particularly that we have to live in these bodies for 70, 80, 90, 100 years, whatever. I, I don't like that at all. I mean, I, I wish that had been another way. I kind of feel like praying Jesus' prayer when he was about to go to the cross. He said, Lord, Father, if there's any other way. But nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. I mean, th th apparently there was no other way. We, we get to stay here <laughs> and live in this and say no to this thing every day, order it around. Amen? Now, did all that make any sense? we need to clarify anything? He said, you were created... Perfect in your ways. And notice that, notice this now. Till iniquity was found. Now the word found there indicates that somebody had to look. Iniquity. Satan created iniquity. Everything that that turkey has created is equals death. He, spiritual death did not happen in the Garden of Eden, it happened in the Garden of God when Satan fell, when Lucifer fell. That's, that's when spiritual death happened. That's when it became created. And so the same thing that Satan came up with, you know, he's not, he, he didn't have a tempter. He was an originator, just like the Father. He was an originator, but he couldn't originate righteousness. He had to originate iniquity, sin. 
And so when he, when he originated that and it got him kicked out, which we're going to get into graphic detail about that at some point, it got him kicked out. He took that same kind of tactic and used it on Adam. And it worked. He, took that, he takes that same tactic. I have a sheet of paper here that I wanted. It's, it's uh, front and back. It's two pages. But if y'all are just passing it around. This is, a, this is an article that I ran up on and I thought, man, it is so cool. It's the, it's the title of it is The Real Reason That Israel, That the Jews, That Whoever, Worshipped Baal. The Real Reason. And you're going to enjoy reading that. But uh, yeah, if you could just kind of pass it around on the tables while we're talking here. He said, until iniquity was found in you. Uh, he said, you are, you've walked up and down the stones of fire. You were with all the angels that, that did travel that way. Until, until, verse 15... Iniquity was, was found, discovered. Now 12 through 15, verses 12 through 15, is, is God remembering Lucifer. It's remembering him. How beautiful he was. How awesome he was. But then, uh, God's lamentation starts verses 16 through 18. In other words, you know, this is how the you know verses 16 through 18 is the voice of sorrow. God did not enjoy and take delight in casting him out. But light and darkness cannot cohabitate. There's a great divide between light and dark. Light drives it out. And so it was inevitable that he was expelled. And notice how it took place. He said, by the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee out, or cast thee rather, as profane. And all of these words are very interesting if you want to do some word study. I just don't have time. Uh, cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. So we know that he was in the, in the corridor, the angel's corridor, and he was in the mountain of God. Now what he tried to do in the mountain of God is take his throne. That was his, that was his intent. I, in, in fact, we're going to get over in Isaiah in, in a little while, I guess, and, and we'll see that you know, that was his, his goal. He, he was going to overthrow the Almighty. Now you talk about a fool. He said, I will cast thee out as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Now, we don't have a, a lot of time to, uh, to get into this. Maybe someday, I don't know. I would like to do a thorough analysis of the book of Job for you. Because what I'm about to say to you is a statement that comes from improper teaching about Job, and that is, it says in the book of Job, when the sons of God became, came to present themselves to God. And of course, we thought that then, that, you know, we used to believe that Satan had access to, to the throne of God again and all that. So we're going to get into that. So I don't want you to misread this. He said, he said I'm going to cast you out, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart 
was lifted up because of thy beauty. Now, you remember Sunday when I emphasized that uh, whatever is in your heart in abundance, that's what you're going to speak. Whatever you meditate on, that's what's going to... You, you want to know why that you cuss when you hit your finger with a hammer? You want to know why? It's not because you're some big bad person. It's because cussing is in there. you got to close that door. Yeah. I mean, you know, we have to reorient. You, you, have, to, you have to say something else <laughs> instead of cussing. But, you know, and, and you know, you can't really take that in a legalistic fashion because legalism doesn't work. You know, I mean, trying to order your speech as your own, as an act of your own willpower will only produce frustration. The devil will see to it that, that a greater offense happens and you're going to cuss even worse. See? Does that make sense? Been there and done that? I have too. And uh, you know, I enjoyed it when I did it. <laughs> Because I hated that thing when it hit my. I mean, I I, tell you, I was cutting late one night. I was trying to get done. I remodeled this guy's kitchen, and I was late there. It must have been eleven o'clock at night, and I had my miter saw, and I had one more miter to cut on that crown, and I didn't move my thumb, and I'd cut it nearly off. I'm telling you, it was terrible. And long story short, uh, I had to go to the emergency room and all that. But anyway, uh, I used to cry when I'd hurt myself. Because since 1993, when I left the ministry, I have hurt myself more ways than you can imagine. And every time I do, I think, yeah, that's just exactly what you deserve. Because you walked off and left, see. But, but nevertheless, he said, your heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. That's very, very, very important. Now, the reason I handed that out to you, that, that write-up, that, write that article, I mean, it struck deep within my spirit early this morning that there's more to it when Jesus says that the love of money is the root of all evil. There's more to it than we think. And there's more to this message from Luke chapter 14 talking about uh, self-exaltation. Remember the little parable Jesus said? When you're invited to a feast or a wedding or whatever, you automatically choose the lowest seat. That's God's way. You choose the lowest one. And then God will come along and say, oh, well, you've been faithful in that which is little. Move up a little higher. I mean, there's a story of humiliation in there if you don't do it. And so this is what this guy has done. Lucifer did. He was lifted up in his heart. He was exalting himself. And it came from the people that he ruled, the stars of God, which are angels. They, the, the, the angels that he led in the choirs of God started talking to him, and he received it and said, You're beautiful. You're almost like the Most High. He kept, they, kept, they filled him with that violence. The Scripture calls it violence here. They filled him, he filled him with those words. So I want you to meditate on that that, that little ride up there and realize how serious it is to not serve God and mammon or try to. It, 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 it's, I mean, it is... If we could get rid of those two things... In fact, I sent that... 
from my phone to another preacher who had just gone through something pretty serious with his church. It had split here recently. And the people that uh, took a lot of other people with him, a lot of his money people, I mean, he's in the, he's in the process of building a big brand new couple million dollar church. And I mean, it's just pitiful. And so I felt led to send him that. And at the end of it, I, I said, Brother, uh, the Jezebel spirit has been out, is out of your church and the love of money too. So rejoice. And so that when you read that, you'll understand why I'm saying these things. See, Satan wants to be worshipped. He wants to take God's place in your life. See, And so he has all these mechanisms in place that can lure us away from the Word of God over into self-exaltation, over into worshipping money. Uh, all kinds, I mean, the devil basically believes that all the money of the earth belongs to him. You know, the, the Word of God tells us that the, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. See, belongs to Him, not the devil. Well, the devil didn't believe that. And when he tempted Jesus in the, in the, uh, uh, in the wilderness, he said, I will give all this to you for it's been delivered to me. And it was. But I'm telling you, at the resurrection, it was all restored. I'm telling you, everything, everything took place at that resurrection. The Bible says in Hebrews, once, once in the end of the world, and he's talking about the resurrection of Jesus. It's, it's interesting that the flood ended it once and the cross ended it the second time. So everything has changed. The mechanisms have changed. The way we relate to God has changed. Paul put it this way. He said, he said all things are become new. Old things are passed away. All things are new with us. It's a new way of relating to God. We don't need the Logos to relate to God. We need, or the grapho rather, we don't need the print. We need the Logos, which is God. And when God speaks to us and we repeat it, it is the rhema, and that is the life of God flowing from our being, our, our lips. And I'm telling you, that's how God will rule in our lives. You know, these... these uh, I've got so much to say, I don't know where to start. Uh, let's look at what He looks like today. Let's look at verse uh, 17 again. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries, they were here on earth, by the multitude of thine iniquities and by the iniquity of thy traffic. All those little words mean more than just what it says here in the King James. I just don't have the time to, to, to do that. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee and it shall devour thee and will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. When God cast him out, he st and I know this is not practical, but the only way I know how to explain it is that he put his finger on the inside of him and got a hold of that fire and pulled it out and it consumed him. Satan is literally a heap of ashes. And he used to be the most beautiful creature God had ever made. 
his light went out. Amen. Uh, let's turn to Jeremiah 4. Jeremiah the 4th chapter. We're going to start with verse 23. Uh, verse 23 is equivalent to Genesis 1 and verse 2. It's, it's the equivalent there. He said, I beheld earth and lo, it was without form and void, and the heavens, they had no light. I beheld the mountains, and lo, they trembled, and all the hills moved lightly. I beheld, and lo, there was no man, and all the birds of the heaven were fled. I beheld, and lo, the, the fruitful place was a wilderness, and all the cities thereof were broken down at the presence of the Lord and by His fierce anger." And he says, for, for thus hath the Lord said, The whole land shall be desolate, yet will I not make a full end. Now what he's referring to here is the time when, when Lucifer was cast out. You remember last week when I was telling you about but from before the foundation of the world. That statement means from before the overthrowing of the world that then was. And we were, we were in the heart and mind of God even then. Amen? How much He loves us. You can't, get a, you can't surprise God. But yet, even though God knew things were going to happen, he, could, he has to allow free will to take course. He has to. I can't tell you folks how many times that I've stood before you. Here it, here it is again. I mean, right, right in my mind again. I can't tell you how many times. Probably every time I've spoken to you. That list about... The, the nine attributes of God comes up in my mind. I should probably write it on that board and just leave it up. But see, again, I don't know why we're getting into this again. Sovereignty is, is not manipulation. First of all, let's, let's just go ahead and get this out here. The word sovereignty is not in the Bible. I mean, you know that offends Baptist people? But I can't help it. I mean, it's not there. It's not that I don't believe He's sovereign because He's God. But God is not Him taking little babies when He gets wanting something up there. Good friend of mine, when he was a child, his daddy died. He's a preacher. He was a, a teacher at Ramah in 1980 and 81. When he was a little child, his dad died. And the stupid preacher told him that God needed him up there worse than he did. And he decided then he would never serve God again. And it was a long time. I mean, he went through a whole lot of stuff. Just because of the sovereignty thing. I mean, there's people right two blocks from us that believe that message so much that no matter what happens to you, God somehow has a mysterious plan for it to happen. And God's going to work it out. You know, he's just wanting to teach you how to endure. No, oh, give me a break. He's wanting to teach you how to be victorious over every situation in our lives. That's the way of the Holy Ghost. I mean, if he wanted us to be jugglers, we'd all just have some bowling pins and juggling our life's problems. It, it, you know, it, so sovereignty is not God bringing tornadoes or what was that big hurricane in 
Louisiana? Katrina. Katrina. That God, it's not God bringing Katrina. I know it's a godless place. And I don't care what that fat preacher over in Texas says. <laughs> it was not God's judgment. Help us, Lord. Sovereignty is not Him manipulating our lives, setting up. I mean, if God was to be that way, I wouldn't want to serve Him. You know, if, if His love is contingent upon my behavior, what good is it? I mean, Bobby, if you had to talk, talk that woman into loving you, what would you have? <laughs> I wouldn't say anything. <laughs> so, it's, you know, it's the same way with him. He, he doesn't want us to relate to him based on the good things he can do for us. He wants us to love him with all of our heart. Amen? Sovereignty, judgment, righteousness, immutability, meaning he can't lie, uh, love, omnipotence, om omnipresent, omniscient, the attributes of God. I mean, we, we must understand this in order, every time we approach a problem in our life, we must understand the attributes of our Father. If not, the turkey called the devil will get in your head and say, well, you know, because I'm telling you, he's done it to me so many times. I mean, I can get, I can get a supernatural revelation from God praying out the mystery back here in my office and I won't no more than get it out of my mouth to where he's already offering me something else to believe about it. That's just the way he works, see. The, the prison is in the mind. I just gave a series to, to, to Bill uh, by Dave Roberson on that. But, but it's so true. So Jeremiah 4, again, let's look at verse 30. He says, And when thou art spoiled, what wilt thou do? Thou, though thou closest, clothe, closest, <laughs> put clothes on yourself with crimson, though thou deckest thee with ornaments of gold, though thou rentest thy face with painting, in vain shalt thou make thyself fair. Thy lovers will despise thee. They will seek thy life. You say, what's that about? Well, he went from being this creature that was ornate, a big brooch, <laughs> with all the jewels and everything in his skin. And I mean, he, he was just dazzling. I mean, he went from that to a pile of ashes walking around. And he said, I've got to make myself look good. So he paints himself, puts all this on. But there's a key here in this one verse that we need to remember. Is that he says, All thy lovers will despise thee meaning th and seek thy life. Meaning this, that in the world of darkness, and you can use this against them when you're dealing with them, there is no loyalty in Satan's kingdom. They hate him. They hate each other. I mean, there, there's no love. There's no loyalty. There, there, there's no camaraderie. They hate each other. And some people say, well, you know, why has this got this demon and then they get this and all that? Well, it's because they hate each other. And they hate us worse. We remind the devil and the demons of God. Amen? All right. Can you tell me what verse that started in on Jeremiah 4? 23. Okay. 23. 
All right. A kingdom that is ruled by fear and dread is what Satan's kingdom is. Now, you remember when Jesus said, he, he, he gave us a little hint here when he said, when they accused him of casting out devils by the name of the devil, he said, if a kingdom be divided, it can't stand. Well, duh. It is divided and it's not going to stand. But God's kingdom is not divided. Well, some places it is. It's because He's gotten in there and given us wrong doctrine, wrong teaching, and wrong views and all that stuff. And so that's why a lot of things can't get done. But the worst thing that you can do to a proud, arrogant bigot is humiliate him. So there, there's some... I want to close this evening by, by giving you some, some terms that's used uh, for the devil in the Bible. Different things that he's caused, called. And, and I want to point out to you that a name, what is in a name? And, and I, I shared that with him last week. You know, I told you, if, if I asked you who you are, Bill, uh, I mean, let's, let's say for instance you were still a policeman. So they said, well, who are you? Oh, well, I'm that, I'm that policeman. Uh, or, or, you know, when I was a welder. If somebody asked me, you know, who are you? Oh, I'm a welder down here. Uh, I've worked at a... Worked, you ever seen these tilt trailers that hydraulically lift up like that and you empty them? Well, I, I built two of those every day. And guess what the name of that company is? This is so funny. Sweetwater, Tennessee. Dandy Dump. <laughs> so you can guess what I said to the boss when I needed to go to the restroom. But then... <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go take a dandy dump. <laughs> now here's some terms used of Satan in the Bible. And I told you now, Satanus, the Greek word, the Greek rendering of that means accuser or opponent, an opponent, an adversary. Each one of these names that's referred to him is a description of his behavior. See, Father God, as I told you uh, before, the, the the name Father is anthropomorphism. An anthropomorphism is a characteristic, let's say it this way, a characteristic that God has put upon Himself, has placed upon Himself so that we could more grasp who He is. So Father is one of those names. See? But God is the only one that can say, I am that I am. I am that I am doesn't have a description. It's an identity. Father kind of gives us little humans an understanding of what he's like. Healer, redeemer, all those, all those. So the, the, one of the things he's called is the prince of the power of the air, Ephesians 2 2. Prince of the power of the air. Uh, one of the things that he is, and this is very important too, is that he was a dignitary. And remember now, God still honors His choice. Still, because just because He's fallen, just because I'm a sinner, God still honors my choice. He can't say, oh, no, you can't do that. I know what's going to happen down there. And if you do that, you'll do this. This will happen. He can't, he can't do that. He has to back off, see. And so what God said to him, and we'll get into this in, in, in Genesis chapter 3, what God said to him is what caused the end to come the way it's going to come. I mean, he prophesied that to him, and it will be exactly the way that he said it would. See, talk about somebody believing what they say. 
Uh, so in Jude, in Jude verses 8 through 10, you can read there that even Michael, uh, an archangel, could not bring uh, a, a, reckon, a railing accusation against him or a rebuke. He could not do that. So one, another thing is that we need to remember in, in dealing with this guy is that we as children of God are kings in this earth and we have authority over him. He doesn't want his people to know that. He, he, he wants you to think that you're just, uh, you know, a weak uh, worm, dust of the earth. That's what he wants you to think. See, that's what he wants everybody to think. He wants people to think that he's powerful. But he's not powerful. Because, you see, we're not dealing with him with our mind. We're not dealing with him with these human physical hands. We're dealing from the Spirit. And in our spirit, we are created righteous and pure and godly and of the, on the same class as God is. My Lord. That's the attitude we have to have when you're dealing with Him. Did you know this? And this, this is a little premature, but I'll go ahead and say this. Jesus is the first man ever on the earth to deal with demons with just His Word. First one. That's why those guys were just shocked when they came back and said, even the demons are subject to us. The devils are subject to us. And he said, don't rejoice about that. I watched all this. What we just read in, in, in Jeremiah is him watching this happen. He, Jesus watched that. Another one is uh, he's the prince of the world, prince of darkness, the god of this world. He, is, of course, is called the devil. Uh, the word diabolos is where we get the word diabolical. When you think of diabolical schemes and all that, well, that's, that's his name because that's what he does, you see. Dia, D-I-A, means, means through. In, in, uh, in Greek language, let's see, I don't even see a... Yeah, here's one. In, in the Greek language... It's like this. Dia would be indicated that you're going all the way through. Dia. So, so first of his name, you could say it this way. He, his character is that of a penetrator. A penetrator. And Balos means to throw. And so the way that he deals with us today, this is the number one way, is that he will throw continually thoughts into your mind. Continually. It's just like if you go up here to the caverns, what's the name of it? Alabaster. Yeah. Go up there and look and see. Watch. I was in there you know, a few months ago. And you can see where a drip has dripped for so long that it has, it has bored a hole in that rock. And that's the picture of Satan in our mind. And so what he does, he keeps hitting us. Hitting us. You're this. You're that. You'll never be anything. You, you, and he keeps hitting this until we take that thought. You know how he knows whether you take it? When you act on it. Or you speak it out. That's why confession is so extremely important confessing the word of God and not confessing the word of the devil 
well, I'll never amount to anything. You know, it always happens to me. I, you know, all the, you're just in, you're reinforcing him. And I'm telling you what, his ears prick up and say, hey, you know, we're, we're getting to this person. And so what happens is he, he keeps hitting you until you take it, and then it gives him the right to make a pavement into your brain. He paves the road. Paul calls it in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I think it's 2nd, he says, uh, the wiles of the devil. Methodios. Methodios. We get the word Methodist from there, or method. Methodios. Notice this. It's the Greek word meta, and then odios. That means, meta means with. That means that he takes something that he knows will work on your behalf. It'll work in your life. What, what he may use for Bobby might not work for me. So he'll use a different method. And then the word odios is road. So with a road, he will come into your life. And if you let him, he'll pave that road. And you're done. That's when you, you need some another child of God to cast that thing out of you. Get it out of your mind, your will, your emotions. It's not down in your spirit yet. So, so the word devil, devil is diabolos. You cannot outsmart him with your natural mind. That's why willpower is of the flesh. I mean, uh, it, it just won't work. Traduce. Uh, it's another word, uh, a synonym for uh, uh, diabolical. But it means to expose to shame. Listen to this. To expose to shame. To blame by means of falsehood and misrepresentation. I'm going to have to stop with this. But there, there's more names we'll get into next time. But see, we have to understand that his major goal... I mean, this idiot thinks he's going to, he's, he's going to win over God. Even though it's already written. It's already written. I mean, we can read him his past and his future. But he really thinks he's going to overcome. And so we have to realize that, that his main goal, and he has been so successful, is to misrepresent Father God. That's all he's got to do. Misrepresent Him. Suggest a little thought. Well, you know, God knew that was going to happen, so He's let that come into your life you know, to build your character, to make you a stronger person. And so then we sprinkle a little grace on that and you know, God will help you. God will give you the ability to just go ahead and bear it. No, 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 no. If you've got cancer, God wants to heal it. Amen. If you have arthritis, God wants to drive it out of your body. Amen. Praise the Lord. He doesn't want to see how strong you are by enduring the pain. You know, that's stupid. Amen. Amen. I love you folks. Thank you for listening to me tonight. God bless you.